Amen. It is good to be worshiping with you guys again. Uh, some of you guys online, enjoy you having us. Uh, apologize we had to go to Facebook again. We're getting there. We're getting there closer uh, to having our live stream working. Just technical difficulties, man. As Matt once said, technology, when it's working, it's great. When it's not, well, everybody knows, right? how it goes. Uh, hey, so it's going to be a unique sermon today. Uh, if you are a kid uh, or uh, a young adult at heart, Dave Harder, or, or just a short attention span, Joseph Absher, whatever, you're, whoever you are, uh, we have these spray bottles back there. You're going to help me with my sermon today. You, if you're welcome to do it too, uh, it's going to help illustrate. So if you have one of those, uh, great. If not, feel free to go grab one of those at any moment because uh, this is going to be either great or disastrous. I don't know. Either way, it's going to be a fun time. Um, at least for me up here. So uh, you guys are going to help me with this. So if you get those, do not uh, use them until I tell you. Follow directions uh, so your parents don't confiscate them from you uh, or your wife, Dave Harder, takes them from you, whichever, you know. So with that being said, uh, we are jumping into a new series that I'm excited about. <laughs> it's uh, Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you've ever read Ecclesiastes. Some people said if you are uh, just a depressed person, that's the book to read. Uh, it is not. It's actually a great, great book. I'm excited to jump into it. I'm excited for what it's going to be. But as we, we get into this, I want to uh, start off with this discussion question with the people you're with. Uh, real quick, let me ask you this to discuss together. What's the most meaningless thing you've ever done? Think about that. If you're a negative person like me, that you got like five things in the, in the, like in the back pocket ready to spit out. Maybe it's a challenge for some of you. But real quick, the person next to you, what is the most meaningless thing you've ever done? And if you say sit through this sermon, mean you're going to have words after church, okay? I'm just saying that is not one of the options. So real quick, take a second. What is the most meaningless thing you think you can, you've ever done? You got done like that was just completely a waste. Take just a second. Uh, if you are a kid uh, or uh, a young adult at heart, Dave Harder, or, or just a short attention span, Joseph Absher, whatever, you're, whoever you are, uh, we have these spray bottles back there. You're going to help me with my sermon today. You, if you're welcome to do it too, uh, it's going to help illustrate. So if you have one of those, uh, great. If not, feel free to go grab one of those at any moment. You guys are talking very quietly. Either you have no idea or you're too scared to say it out loud. I don't know. I have tons of stories, so we could be up here all day and not even preach a sermon about meaningless things I've done. Uh, I was a youth pastor. Come on, like, there's a lot of things I've done that I'm like, what were we thinking? Uh, but actually, one of my most meaningless things I can remember whenever, uh, was actually when I was in college, uh, I had to find a job, me and Emily were married, so I found a job working on campus, uh, doing the lawn crew, and, and that just felt like an absolutely meaningless job. I mean, I would weed eat all day long and just walk with Edger for 12 hours straight. It felt like just edging for less than minimum wage, because, you know, they could get by with that. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm doing all this work, but I remember one day, I worked two weeks, to give you an idea of how long I did this. For one week, I weed eat all week long. The second week, uh, they had some crepe myrtles out by the edge of their property, and they wanted me to go dig it up. And this was like one of the worst heat waves Oklahoma had had. It was like 110 to 115 degrees. So I'm outside, and they give me a pickaxe and a shovel, and I'm out there for hours digging these like several crepe myrtles up. I spend all days, I'm getting dehydrated stuff, I get done, and I go out the next day, do it again. And finally I get them all up, and I come back to my boss, and I said, okay, I got those crepe myrtles, you get me to go back to weed eating? He goes, now I want you to go to the other ones on the other side of the property. And I, and, and I had this revelation hit me of like, I'm making less than minimum wage right now. I could literally go work at McDonald's making more money for doing something that giving out fries seemed more meaningful than what I was doing right then and there. And so I told him, I said, you know what? This is, this is ludicrous. I quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. And the guy said this to me. He goes, eh, whatever. I said, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, we actually didn't have enough work for everyone to do. He goes, we'll dig them out later with a backhoe. I just needed to give you something to do. 
I literally spent two days digging when they had a backhoe that they could have come out and dug it out the whole time. I was so incredibly frustrated. Like, I don't know what I just did with two days of my life I'll never get back. Now, I've done stuff as an adult that have been meaningless as well. Uh, I remember playing a video game called Skyrim, and I remember uh, coming upstairs uh, from our basement, hanging out, and my wife says, what have you been doing for the last 12 hours? I said, I was playing Skyrim. She goes, what did you do? I said, well, I was, I was mining iron ore because I was making suits of armor, and I realized I just wasted 12 hours playing a video game that had zero purpose. Do you have you? No one's ever done that. Okay, this is a good, great sermon. I don't know if you've ever done something that you've just said, is there purpose to any of this? Like, what, what am I doing? Like, a key question today that I kind of look at is, is it all meaningless? I mean, is everything meaningless? And actually, the new series we're starting in Ecclesiastes is just that. The theme is chasing meaning. meaning. And, and in this series, we're going to explore five major questions. We're going to first answer today, is it all meaningless? Uh, the next time we're going to get together, we're talking about where can we find fulfillment? We're going to address what is, who is really in control, what attitude should we embrace, and what does it take to be content? Those are things we're going to look at in the book of Ecclesiastes. And you may be saying, why Ecclesiastes of all books right now? And as I began to dig and read through the entire book just from my own personal reading, I began to realize that we're in an interesting season where some people are going back to normal life or some of us are still not really in what normal is, whatever it is. And we're trying to go back because we want to go back to what we were doing before. And what's interesting to me is so many of us struggle right now because we feel like we've been lost of our meaning. Like, okay, like my job's not like what it was, and so my status is suddenly robbed. Or I'm not financially stable, and I feel lost in this, or my friendships are not there. And we try to find meanings in, meaning in these things, and the reality is it's this never-ending effort, is it? And my caution, my word of wisdom today that we want to look at is, listen, we need to chase after stuff that actually has meaning because if we run right back into that stuff, we're going to find uh, is what Ecclesiastes talks about. It's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. And so hopefully you have your Bibles in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 is where we're going to start today. To give you some background on it, uh, the book is an interesting situation because when you first open, if you open Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I want to introduce you to the author. It says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Ecclesiastes is an interesting book because there's two characters in the story. In chapter 1, at the very end of chapter 12, you have the author who is kind of introducing this, but in the middle you have this character that's known as the teacher or the preacher. He's really the critic is who he is. And most people think this is King Solomon. This is who uh, David's son from the characteristics we see, and that's what tradition tells us. But there's also some beliefs that this was actually written by someone else that we don't know who it is. It's kind of like a royal fiction historical account. Uh, it's like someone writing from King uh, Solomon's uh, perspective because he's the wisest person to ever lived. And if he were to say something about what wisdom is, this is what he would say. Think of it like this. If several years from now, you know, down the road, my grandkids or great-grandkids wrote an autobiography about what it's like to be a young pastor through COVID from my account and talking about that. That's kind of another perception of what this might be. And the reason is because the guy never calls himself by name. He never says, I'm Solomon. He just says, King David, king and son of David, and talks about wisdom and stuff like that. It's an interesting situation. Nothing else you need to understand. Ecclesiastes, and this is important to understand in the book, is called wisdom literature. It's a text that tells us what it means to be wise and what it looks like to live with wisdom. There's, there's three books in the Old Testament. There, there's Proverbs, which some of you know about, Ecclesiastes, and you have Job as well. And there's a weird tension that works between these. You see, Proverbs says, it's kind of like a cause and effect. If you do this, you will be blessed. This is what a blessed look like, life looks like. But Ecclesiastes, you ever have that negative friend? They're like, ah, hold on there a second. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. He's that guy that comes in the picture like, yeah, that's not quite true. 
Because sometimes we do this, and it doesn't always come out like this, does it? He's like, sometimes maybe we need to redefine what blessed is. And the book of Job is kind of a case study of that whole situation. A guy who lives righteous, does everything for the Lord, and yet he doesn't get what we would call a quote-unquote blessed life, does it? It's a real interesting situation. And so we're going to jump into it. So kids, you got your bottles, right? Hold them up if you got them. We'll see them. So this is what I need you to do. There, there's a word written on your bottle that says hebel. It's actually pronounced hevel. Every time I say that word, I need you to hold your bottle as high as you can and spray it for me. Can you do that? Okay. So just try, it might take a couple sprays to get the water going. You only do one spray. Okay. Now, if you spray your parents in the face, that's between you and them. I can't control that. Might make for some good laughs. So every time, there's about 15 times at least I'm going to say it through this sermon. Every time you hear me say the word hevel, I need you to do it. So ready? Here we go. Let's try it. Ready? Hevel. There you go. You got it? All right. Here we go. Every time you hear it. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you guys have your Bibles, follow along with me. It says, the word of a teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, absolute hevel. There you go. Look at that. See, this is beautiful right here. Absolute hevel says the teacher. Absolute hevel. Everything is hevel. It's going to be an interesting sermon, isn't it? What does a person gain from all his efforts that he labors under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets. Panting, it runs to the place where it rises. Gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns to its cycle. See, all the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To a place where the streams flow, there, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. See, the eyes not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been, and what will be, and what has been done, and uh, what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Isn't this such an encouraging book? It says, can one say any, about anything, look, this is new. It's already existed in the ages before us. You see, there is no remembrance of those who came before and of those who will come after. There will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. He says, I, the teacher, and this is where the second character comes into play. He says, I, the teacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to examine and explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. God has given people this miserable task to keep them occupied. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun and have found everything to be hevel. There you go. Hey, you guys are killing it. Uh, a pursuit of the wind. What, what is crooked cannot be straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, see, I have amassed wisdom far beyond all those who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind has thro uh, thoroughly grasped wisdom and knowledge. I applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge, madness and folly. And I learned that this too is a pursuit of the wind. For with much wisdom, as much sorrow, as knowledge increases, grief increases as well. Now I want to unpack this some. The, the key idea I want you to see from this whole passage is that everything on earth is hevel. Hey, look at that. You're on key right there. I like that. Now, now you say, what is this? This word hevel is used 38 times throughout this whole text, this whole book of Ecclesiastes. It's a key where it comes up and up again. In your Bibles, it may be translated as meaningless or, or vanity or futil, futility in its effort. But reality, the hidden meaning, the visual you get is vapor or smoke. That's what the visual you get is this idea of it's all vapor, it's all smoke, it's all meaningless. It doesn't last. It looks like a substance, something that you can actually grasp until you reach out and try to grab it and there's nothing really there to get. Are you tracking with the idea? The problem is there's no English equivalent to this word we have nowadays to give a proper understanding. And so it's hard to see, but it's better, hard to understand, but it's better to see. 
And so when I say the word hevel, that's what you get. Everything in life is that. Parents, if you're sitting next to your kids, when I say that word, would you just try to catch that mist? Would you ready? When I say hevel, I mean, you, you can see it, you can sense it, you can feel it, but there's nothing really there, is there? That, that's what hevel is. That's what futility, meaninglessness is when he talks about this sort of stuff. It, it doesn't sustain, satisfy, and it's really not attainable. It's what the New American Standard said this, they described. They said, you never can catch it, but if you can or do catch it, what you find is you don't have anything anyways. You ever find yourself with that? Chasing after stuff that's just hevel, and you're, my, my next job, my, my next acceptance, my friendships, my, 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 just, my, my, my academics, whatever it is, if I can just get to this point and I can grasp it, yet when you go to reach for it, there's nothing there. And this is the wisdom Solomon wants to give us in this passage, is that everything on earth that we can find is hevel. It's all hevel. Parents, you guys are already hating me right now, right? You're not coming next week. All right, you're going to come next week, trust me. Why, why is everything hevel? Let's talk about this real quick. First thing I want you to see in the text is when it comes to it, is that, well, when it comes to it, there's nothing that is new or that we do that will last, ultimately. When you look at the text, look at three through four, he says this, what does a person gain from all his efforts? All your hard work, all your pushing for in your career, what do you gain? It says, all your labors come, but a generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. You will soon be forgotten. Like, it's a hidden reality. It's not a hidden reality that all my work, my efforts as a pastor are going to do great things, but reality is, if I left five years later, most people would forget who I was and what I did, and maybe those who did, eventually it'll wear off, Right? Like nothing we do really lasts. Nothing we do really sustains on earth. It will not stay. And everything that we find that new eventually isn't new anymore. There was an old Best Buy commercial, I don't know if you've ever seen before, where this guy's excited. He gets this brand new TV and they're literally carrying it inside. And as he's carrying it inside, a truck drives by with a new 2.0 version of the TV he just bought. He's like, are you serious? You ever have that feeling you just bought the new iPhone or whatever, and before you blink, the newer one comes out because nothing Last, the new ideas we have, think, man, this is great. Eventually, it's forgotten. Do you remember who invented the locomotive? That was such a big part of our history and what happened, yet there's a person's name that very few of us, probably if any of us, could even list their name right now. Nothing we do will last, and nothing is new on earth will last. And so the point is this, is quit searching for the next best thing. Quit searching and man, if I find this new thing, if I make this new accomplishment, then I'll have meaning. The, the truth is, it's all hevel. i just pray it sideways. It's all hevel. The second thing you see I think is interesting is he says there's no outcome that will come out different. Look at verse 5 through 7. He says the sun rises and the sun sets, panting. It returns to a place. You get this idea of the sun literally sprinting each morning to get across the day. And it sprints and gets past and goes through the next day, but not only to do what? To turn around and do it all over again. Isn't there a certain monotony of life? talks about the seas constantly filling the oceans, yet the oceans are never filled and it never quits going. It seems like there's just a wind always gusts. We know about that in Oklahoma. It just seems to come. It just never ceases to cease. There's a certain monotony to life that we find. And we sometimes think, well, if I just do something different, then it'll have a different outcome. There's nothing new. There's no different outcome that will come. 
He says in verse 16 through 18, he says, I have amassed wisdom far beyond those who were over Jerusalem and far before me, and my mind thoroughly grasped wisdom and knowledge. He said, I applied myself, but verse 18 says, for much wisdom brings sorrow. He says, I try to figure everything out, but yet when I find there's really nothing there. The point is this, is quit thinking you're the exception to the rule. Quit thinking that suddenly you will find something that suddenly that maybe they never thought of before, maybe a different outcome. If I do this, even though I've seen time and time again that people who search for money or popularity acceptance never seem to be satisfied, but for me, it's going to be a different outcome. I'm the exception to the rule. Solomon says, listen, I'm the guy who had all the wisdom in the world, and I've come to the end of my life and been there, done that, is what he's saying. And he says, everything is hevel. It's all that right there. It's all hevel. You guys are getting nice and misted. If you were hot before, you're cool now, right? The last thing he says is this. He says, not only is there no outcome that will be different, but even more so, there's no real deep, deeper truths to be found. Look at verse 8 through 10. He said, all things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. He said, there's nothing that people have said, nothing people have seen, or nothing you get to hear that's ultimately going to satisfy you. You think, maybe, maybe there's some new knowledge, deeper truths that haven't been found that would make me satisfied in life I could find. He says, I've looked at everything under the sun. That's a terminology he uses over and over again to mean everything that can be seen or done on earth, I've looked, and yet there's nothing new that gives it a different kind of insight that suddenly maybe this will be better. Maybe it will go better. There's futility in it. I think of college. I don't know if any of you remember college uh, way back then or some of you are about to go to college, but when I went to college, I went to college to learn that I was really ignorant and that I will always be ignorant. That, that was what I learned. I paid for a degree for that. To go and realize that all my studies, that there's always someone smarter than me, and there's so much more for me to learn. I went and studied all these Bible backgrounds, and I said, you know what? I'm so ignorant. And I'm like, man, I, I just don't, I didn't know what I didn't know. You ever been like that? Even when I went and got my master's, something like, maybe this will make me smarter. I'm like, nope, just got dumber. I don't know how it happened. And I got a paper that tells me so. Everything I looked made me realize that there's more that people know that I will never know. And I keep realizing that, you know what? I'm never going to meet that point. We, we find ourselves often, I'm guilty of this, often thinking maybe, maybe I can outsmart the system or I can outsmart other people. The reality is we have to quit trying to outsmart people and outsmart everything. Everything that's out there ultimately has or will be found. And I'm going to tell you, when you find it, there will be more to be found. There is nothing that will come and satisfy. There's nothing that will make us come. It's all, as he says, hevel. Hopefully you're getting this image. For me, I, I do the same thing, can I be honest, with church. I find, man, if we just had this new idea, if we came up with the newest, greatest thing when it comes to leading the church, or if we scratch some surface that no one's ever seen before, we will be the next best thing. Or maybe there's some deeper truth that I, as a pastor, can reveal in Scripture that no one has seen before. And let me tell you something, even in that search, even in religious things, I still find those things to be hevel when I'm pursuing the wrong things. It's all meaningless. It's all hevel. You guys are doing great. This section's got a heavy mister section. This one's a little light over here. I'm going to be honest. We're going to have to work on that. You, you hear all this, and your question is, then, if you're depressed, can I tell you that we're in a good place? You might be saying, then what's the point? What's the point of life, then? If everything I do is just going to be hevel, if all my efforts, all my thought, all my digging is all going to be just that right there, something chasing the wind, something, what's the point of life? What's the meaning of life? I was riding in the car with my youngest daughter, who's five years old, Hallie, and for whatever reason, she said, hey, Daddy, ask me a question. And I said, hey, Hallie, what's the meaning of life? You know what her response to me is? She said, I don't know what life is. And I said, that's deeper than you even realize, child. You are so smart, you obviously take after your mother. 
because there's nothing I give you that's worth of meaning. It's all meaningless. And so what's the point? Does it mean that everything we do is a waste of time? Like all, all this effort, why even come to church? Why do it? No, that's not what it means. It means trying to find meaning in things that were never meant to have meaning is just hevel. Do you understand that? To, to chase after meaning in your job and assuming that there's going to be some deeper meaning in there, let me tell you, it's, it's hevel. It's never going to satisfy. It's going to leave you wanting more. It's never going to quench Finding acceptance from people, can I tell you, eventually that'll wear off and you'll want new acceptance. You'll always be working to find new achievements and be loved by them. And can I tell you something? It's all hevel. You'll find yourself worn out chasing after these things that never satisfy. You can see it, you can sense it, but yet you can never get it. We're not meant to chase after these things. And so what is the answer? I hate to leave you hanging, but that's the goal of this series, is to teach you and show you the answer. But to give you a little precursor, I want to show you some passages. Ecclesiastes 2.24, he says, there's nothing better for a person to do than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. He said, I've seen all that God has done with his hands, and because who can eat and enjoy life apart from him? There's nothing better to do than just enjoy what you have because God has given you life right now. Find the joy you have right now. Verse 5, verse 18, he says, here's what I found to be good. It is appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days we have because that is our reward. My favorite is what we'll look at at the very end, verse 12, chapter 12. It says, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. I love the end we find is in verse 24, chapter 12, verse 14, sorry. It's one day the hevel will be lifted. And God will give meaning in places that we never thought there was meaning before. And so the point, if you haven't connected the dots with all this, is this. Everything on earth... Everything that you could possibly find on earth, you're ready for it, aren't you? It's hevel. So quit chasing after it. Quit searching for meaning where there's no meaning. It sounds depressing, doesn't it? Does it sound like a depressing book? Can I, can I tell you this? This is how I describe Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is the most depressingly encouraging book I've ever read. Let me say it again. It is the most depressingly encouraging book I've ever read. And you say, well, why is that? Because Ecclesiastes exposes our hearts and our minds. It exposes the facts. It validates our worst fears that I've wasted my time and energy and life chasing after stuff that is hevel. There you go. It's meaningless. But why it's encouraging is because it gives us the real direction of what true meaning is. You may have been wasting your time chasing this career, chasing this person, chasing this knowledge, this understanding, this thing. But reality is you'll find true meaning in this. And so for us as Christians, our role is to be and bring hopes to others. It's what the New American Standard said is this, and this is my last quote. It said, this book, Ecclesiastes, is not a contradiction to the gospel, but a call for it. See, the world is in bondage, and humanity is unable to explain and find satisfaction in or alter it. Only the word who came into the world from above can open the way of understanding and escape. You see, everything, old is, everything else is old and passing away. And so my question to you as we close is this, is what are you chasing after? Honestly, what, what is your hevel? What is that thing that you just, if I could just get that, man, I'd be fulfilled. Can I tell you, you won't. For, for us as Christians, listen, we, we have a necessity to bring hope and be hope to a world. So what are you doing with that? So my response to you is this, my challenge to you is this, is maybe today you need to stop chasing that and start chasing the Lord because that's the only thing that's going to desire. 
The truth is there's nothing on earth that will satisfy, but there is something in heaven that will satisfy if we chase after that. And we'll find joy and contentment in ways we never had. And so I'm going to ask you guys, if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to pray and just ask the Lord to submit our hearts to him. Some of our elders are going to be over here for a time of response. If you just need prayer and encouragement, or you just need just a prayer of just uh, a confession, you need to come say, hey, listen, I've been chasing after things in the world that just are meaningless, are hevel. I, I want to encourage you to come over to these men and let them just encourage you and pray for you. Maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and this is what you need to do today. Because listen, you can never find meaning apart from him. And so if that's you, I encourage you to do that anytime when we're praying. You, 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 lead, you follow as the Lord leads. And so would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the truths in Scripture, and I thank you for Ecclesiastes. It is the most depressingly encouraging book, and I, I wouldn't want it any other way. God, expose our hearts to those areas where we are chasing heaven, where we're chasing meaningless things that really are not going to last. God, help us to be honest with ourselves. Because I know up in Deer Creek, America, many of us are chasing acceptance or status or, or, or even uh, relationships that just don't ever seem to satisfy. Even in our marriages, sometimes we think that, you know, my husband or my wife will satisfy me. And if I, if I have that relation of perfection, then I'll find joy in life. And it's just, that's heaven as well. Without you, Christ, we can have no other way. And so, God, I pray we'd submit to your lordship, submit, submit to your plan, and come to find true meaning in who you are. God, I praise you for being faithful and just and being present in all things. Guide and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.